You're listening to the Sport of Business podcast powered by the 321 Go Project. We've talked with over 500 gym owners just like you, and every week we'll bring you the best of the best. We chat with industry experts as well as deliver advice that you can use today. For more, visit 321goproject.com. Three, two, Hi, Sportive Business Podcasters. Welcome to another episode. I am your very caffeinated host, Matt Scanlon. So today what we're going to talk about is our 2016 Gym Owner Survey, which is a survey that we put out every year, and we just generally kind of take the temperature of all of the gym owners out there and just kind of see where you guys are at, what sort of progress you have been making, and sort of identify what some of your pain points have been in in the previous year. So we really use this data and use the survey to direct some of our efforts. And, and, you know, I use this data to kind of talk about what some of the content that I'm going to put out for this podcast. So this is kind of the first of the podcasts that I'm going to do where we're digging through some of this data and really trying to direct some of the free information that we put out towards what some of your pain points are. So as a result of looking through the survey, it kind of also uh, prompted me to dig through uh, another few articles that I found on on entrepreneurs in general. So this this may kind of take a little bit of a detour away from this survey, um, but we're going to try and stick to that script quite a bit. If you did fill out this survey, we had 866 gyms respond to this survey. So if you were one of those people that have responded to it, you already have a copy of it in your inbox. So if you would like to follow along with some of the things that we're going to be talking about, by all means, pause this, head over to your inbox and grab it. If you have not picked up this survey report, uh, it will be available for purchase online. Uh, I will I will link to it as well. Um, this this data. If you're if you're a gym owner and and have questions about your your market, if you are a vendor that is trying to break into the uh, that is trying to break into the gym market, uh, this data will be incredibly helpful for anybody. So again, I'll link to it in the show notes. If you want to pick this up, go ahead and grab it. If you filled out the survey, uh, we're giving you a free copy as a thank you for for taking the time to fill this out again this year. So head over to your inbox and pick it up if you have not picked that up yet. So let's dig into this. First question, how long has your gym been open? So this is where we're going to kind of veer off the script just a little bit. Uh, so, So the vast majority of people that have responded to this indicate that their gym has been open between zero and five years. So uh, we're talking only only about 160 of the 866 respondents have made it to the five-year mark. Now, if you've been involved in, in business or starting companies for any amount of time, you know that the five-year mark is a very important benchmark for any business. And, and us in the fitness industry, uh, we're not exempt from this five-year mark. And the reason that the five-year mark is so, so important is that 50% of businesses will close at the five-year mark. And that, again, this spans all 
industries. Ours is not exempt from this. So we know that of the respondents of this survey that have been open between zero and five years, probably half of these places will not be open in five years. Now, that does not mean that we are by any means doomed to that same fate. It means that we probably need to start looking at some of the reasons that businesses close in the first five years. So I found a really interesting uh, study, and uh, it's a Gallup study. Uh, the Gallup Business Journal did a study on why these businesses close, and they, they um, studied 4,000 entrepreneurs, and they narrowed down these 4,000 entrepreneurs who were successful and not successful at the five-year mark, and they came up with a list of 10 traits that allow entrepreneurs to uh, exist at and past this five-year mark. So the good news is, is of the hundreds of gym owners that I've talked to, uh, we're doing pretty good on this list as far as the general traits that I see of of uh, gym owners. However, uh, we could definitely do better and try and check more of these items off of the list. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read through this list really quick. I'll, again, I'll link to these articles in the show notes so you'll have access to them. But I want to go through this list and obviously start off with the strengths that most gym owners possess on this list and then maybe see where we're deficient and maybe where we can begin to identify these parts of our business that we might be struggling in and areas that we can go ahead and, and pick up steam. So here's the list. Number one, business focused. Uh, this means you make decisions based on observed or anticipated effect on profit. Let's remember this one. Confidence, you accurately know yourself. Creative thinker, you exhibit creativity in taking an existing idea or product and turning it into something better. Delegator, you recognize that you can't do everything. Determination, you persevere through difficult, even seemingly insurmountable obstacles. Uh, I can, honestly, I can't think of one gym owner that does not have determination in spades. So, awesome there, guys. You are independent. You are prepared to do whatever needs to be done to be a successful business. You are a knowledge seeker. You constantly search for information. Promoter. You are a great spokesperson for your business. You are a relationship builder. Again, another one. Every gym owner I've talked to is incredible at building relationships. And number 10 on this list is that you are a risk taker. So, I kind of I hinted at a couple of them that we're really crushing it at, but let's go through these again. Um, I feel like confidence, uh, most gym owners really, really know themselves and they understand their product really well. And for those of us that are in the CrossFit space, like we know that our product is effective. We're not having to convince anybody of this. So I think that we have a strong confidence in, in our product and in our business. Uh, determination, like I said, uh, you are independent. You, you probably, you were a part of another gym and felt that you could do it better and you went off and, and you did so independently. So I think we're doing pretty good there. Um, promoter, obviously we are very, very passionate 
group of business owners and really that exudes uh, through our promotion. I don't think we need to take any additional steps or really need to flex any you know, sales muscles in quotation marks to promote our business. It's, uh, you know, I think we are, are walking testaments to, to what we do being effective and a really meaningful product in the marketplace. Again, relationship builder. I'm sure you guys all know your athletes by name uh, and you all have very meaningful relationships with those athletes. And also conversely, I'm sure that we all have a ton of athletes in our gyms that are more than happy to recommend us or to have us come to their office or do any number of things. I mean, we've got these sort of built-in salespeople that are actually the members of our gym. And risk taker. Most gym owners I know are, are, are keenly able to assess and take risks. And, and I really feel like a lot of the things that we practice in the gym uh, set us up to really excel in some of these areas. I mean, I mean, let's get real. Like Fran, you know, you could go do Fran today, and that will probably be the hardest thing that you do today. So then you turn back into your business, and pretty much any activities that go on after Fran today uh, will seem easy compared to that. So let's look at where we may be lacking. So. You know what? I am not going to uh, throw stones in a glass house here. So I will be the first one to admit that these are areas that I have had to take extra effort to develop. So I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here. But this is me talking personally about some of these attributes that I had to fine tune, let's say. The first of those is number one on the list is business focus. So you make decisions based on observed or anticipated effect on profit. So if you've ever done a mentoring call with me and we talk about how to budget, we always budget profit first. And the reason being is that without profit, you have no business. We assume that your goal is for your business to grow. It is for you to invest in your business to grow it, and then compound those investments with more growth. I'm just going to be blunt here. You cannot grow your business without profit. So you need to have single-minded focus on profit in your business. Now, when I say profit, I'm not saying that you're uh, chasing, you know, chasing Benjamins, for lack of a better term. <laughs> What I'm saying is you're not cash hungry when you're chasing profit. What you're doing is you're taking your mission of your gym, which is to have the greatest impact on people's health and your community. Whatever your mission statement is, you cannot implement that mission statement without profit. You will not be able to grow your business without profit. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've talked with somebody getting ready to open a gym or thinking about leaving their existing gym to open a new one and their their entire focus is break even you know how quickly can i you know break even on my monthly expenses without taking any consideration in for profit so i will tell you guys if you want to make it to year 5 and beyond a single minded focus on profit to fund your mission is absolutely 
necessary. You cannot get around this. So you make decisions based on observed or anticipated effect on profit. So think about all the decisions that you make. Um, should I go ahead and comp this person's membership? Should I offer this discount? Should I do some kind of deal here to just get people in the door? All of these decisions have an effect on your profit. Therefore, have an effect on your business's ability to grow, to provide meaningful careers to your coaches and your staff, and your ability to make it to year five and beyond. Business-focused. The next thing that I really, really struggled with early on was being a delegator. You recognize that you cannot do everything and are willing to contemplate a shift in style and control. So uh, early on, I had to be the janitor because nobody would clean the bathrooms as good as I did. Uh, I had to work on our website. I had to uh, respond to every single email by hand. Um, I had to greet people at the front door. I had to coach every single class. I had to do all of our specialty classes. Uh, I was, I was frankly burned out and, uh, my business was suffering as a result. I was doing things very half-assed. So I would rush cleaning the bathrooms or I would think about the 80 emails in my inbox while I was coaching a class. I would take a business phone call while I was coaching a class. And all of these things suffer. So as a small business owner, we're not immune to this in the gym business. I I know that you feel as though you may have this awesome relationship with your athletes. But in 90% of the cases, there's probably somebody that can apply a greater focus on whatever that activity is than you, a delegator. So, I mean, a great tactic to begin to chip away at delegation is to start small and work your way up. And the easiest way to start small is a janitor. Again, if you're paying somebody or if you are not taking payment for doing your janitorial work, you are overpaying for that work. Honestly, you could find a high school kid to come in and clean your gym for 10 bucks an hour. And those hours that you save are worth way, way more than $10. So that's how we need to start thinking about delegation is it's an investment in time that you can then turn around and do a higher value activity, firing yourself from these things. All right. And lastly, things that I initially struggled with was being a creative thinker. Now, I'm generally a creative person. I, I've, um, you know, I've been involved in, in music and, and other creative endeavors, so I always perceived myself as being creative. But then applying that, flexing that muscle toward business was a lot different for me. It, so when I hear creative thinker in business, I see somebody that can look at a product that exists the way that it is today or look at a business that exists in one iteration today and say, how can I make that better? What can I do to improve upon this existing product? So I'll tell you an exercise that I do every Monday morning with my head coach. We will walk through the gym and look at things. 
what needs to be done, what what holes in the walls need to be filled up, what plates are broken. So would the gym survive the rest of that week if we didn't go through this exercise? Yeah, of course it would survive. Like nothing catastrophic would happen. But doing these small little exercises and saying, how can I improve upon this process? Uh, for example, if do you have a bunch of athletes that come into your gym for a free trial or sign up for a month or or whatever your initial offer is, and then they don't stick around or they come in and all of a sudden they're price sensitive after they've gone through all of your procedures to get in the door. If that's the case, that probably means that there's something in that process that needs to be disrupted. So being a creative thinker in business means that you need to look at your product You need to look at your ideal client persona and think of ways that you can tweak and make these things better, no matter how small they are. Awesome. Back to the report. So, again, moral of the story is the vast majority of our respondents uh, indicate that they have been open five years or less. As our industry begins to creep upon that five-year mark, we need to begin to look at what are these traits of successful companies and successful entrepreneurs that make it to five years and beyond. So we're at a very crucial point in our space at this moment to begin to sort of shift the conversation of what it means, of what entrepreneurship in the fitness industry looks like. And the awesome thing is, is that we can write that story and we can develop the best practices that exist to get us to push from five years and beyond. Okay, looking at other data, how many members do you have? So again, the vast majority of people indicate that their membership base is between 50 and 199 members and with with the largest cross-section in that 100 to 199. Uh, This comes at at really no surprise to us. We do know that there are some markets that that are anomalies. You know, there's there's 300-member gyms that exist in a marketplace where that is the norm. But based on this data, for the vast majority of us, that sweet spot is 100 to 200 members. So our mission then becomes, How do we maximize that membership base first before moving beyond that? So there's, I mean, there's just a a theory. It's called Dunbar's number, which essentially says that that one can only possess somewhere around 150 meaningful relationships. So again, if your primary focus of your business is relationship building, if it's a community component, Understand that when you deviate too far from this Dunbar's number, this this number of like meaningful relationships that can be sustained, when you move beyond that, your product changes a little bit. Uh, and I'm not saying that that you are by any means, uh, you know, destined to have an entirely different product once you get north of 200 members. But what I'm saying is, before thinking about getting to that, you know, let's say like, you know, meteoric growth that you probably need to look at how do you maximize these 150 relationships. Once you've optimized the experience for 150 people, how do you either A, duplicate that, or how do you push those 150 relationships further? What can you do 
to replicate what that looks like to grow your business. All right, how many gyms are within a 5 to 10 mile radius? So we're looking at, there's some outliers here. So there's some people that are looking in markets of uh, 10 or more gyms. Um, there are other, uh, most of us are somewhere in the neighborhood of 1 to 7. I just pulled up my affiliate finder map in my metro area. We're just north of 25 uh, affiliates. So this could be a bad thing. Uh it depends on how you look at it. Again, I I try to be the the optimist in this scenario. So if you think about it, um, you know I would imagine these gyms that are in a in a market of ten or more, myself included. My gym is in one of these ten or more markets. I, I see this as an opportunity for differentiation more than anything. So, you know, if I were to look at, let's just take that hundred and fifty. Uh, member number. So we're talking 10 gyms of 150 members all around you. I'm guessing as a percentage of your metro population, that is next to nothing. So we're not even close to gyms really competing for each other or competing for market share because that market share is still so insanely small. Like we haven't even begun to tap in to a broader conversation with our cities. So I would prefer that we change this conversation from one of competing for the same members and turn it into a conversation that looks more like, how can I differentiate myself from these other gyms? And that could be any number of things. Uh, like, it, and, and really, differentiation does not mean that it needs to be big and shiny. It just needs to be clearly communicated to the population around you exactly what you do. So it gives people an opportunity to be either on the bus or off the bus. So what, I'm, what do I mean by that? Like, So let's say there's 10 gyms around you and you say, okay, well, actually at my gym, what, and I'm only saying this because I'm rereading through uh, Seal Fit by Mark Devine. So I'm only saying this because it's fresh on my mind, but you could absolutely... This is the awesome part of our affiliate agreement is that you could absolutely say, hey, actually at my gym, uh, in the last 20 minutes of every class, we do um, seal fit yoga at the end of it. So now when people are looking for gyms and they're wading through the 10 gyms that are within five miles of them, they're going to look for a reason why one is different. So there are ways that you can be different. One way that you can be different is on price. I don't recommend this. This is uh, absolutely a race to rock bottom. So this market saturation is an opportunity for us to really differentiate. So when people do do a search online and they want to know, okay, well, why is, why, is this gym down, why is this gym down the street better or different? You need to be able to tell them that. So... Being in a crowded marketplace is awesome because guess what? Now all of a sudden you went from being the only guy talking about how great CrossFit is to now there's 10 people telling the city about how great CrossFit is. And then it's your responsibility to say, this reason is why I'm different. And that can be anything. Again, back to these 10 traits of the successful entrepreneur, think creatively. Think what makes you different. It could be a bunch of different offerings that you have. It could be that you are the competitive gym in town. 
It could be that you're the yoga gym in town. It could be that you're the gymnastics CrossFit affiliate in town. Whatever that point of differentiation is, select one and clearly communicate it if you are in one of these gyms in a very crowded marketplace. So, guys, we're running a little bit long right now, so I'm going to leave it there. Again, moral of the story is here. We are knocking at the door of the five-year the five-year mark for the vast majority of affiliates. So it's time to begin to uncover some of these traits of a successful business, of a successful entrepreneur, and begin to communicate these things to the general public for us to be one of the 50% that push past that five-year mark. So if you have not yet picked up the survey, I highly recommend it. I will link to the download page in the show notes. If you did fill out the survey, thank you so, so much for doing so. We really appreciate the feedback. Again, we use this to direct the vast majority of our content that we do for the coming year. So uh, check your inbox if you haven't looked at it. It's there for download. Uh, We'll talk to you guys next week.